Jill. We're going to go ahead and reset our stage. We have Jill Shade that's going to come up and just give a testimony. Jill and Matt have been a part of our church for quite a few years. Got two college, our one college student and play soccer at Gardner-Webb, and then also they have Tim, who is just enlisted into the military. So I just want to go ahead and I want to move this table over here, Jill, and then you go ahead and get this pretty short. I'm not usually at a loss of words, but speaking in front of people is not really my thing um, whatsoever. Um, and I love that about God because he has a really cool sense of humor. Um, and I'll kind of unpack that really quick. I have to keep notes at some level because I'll just go off on tangents. Um, just a quick history. I'm originally from Boston. Um, we've lived here 20 two years now so I kind of adopted my ourselves into the North Carolina way of life we like it um, we love it we wouldn't be anywhere else and I'm basically gonna as far as I'm concerned live out my days here so grew up in a typical New England family you know Irish Catholic middle-class family hard-working uh, just you know salt of the earth kind of people um, always knew of, you know, I grew up in a Catholic family, so obviously knew Jesus, knew uh, God and the Holy Spirit, um, but I had a reverence for it. Uh, I didn't really, uh, kind of would fit into, fit into the periphery depending on the time of year. Uh, to know Jesus um, was something that I really did, didn't really dive into until later on. Um, and it's been a journey. Um, I don't really have any life but you know with age comes wisdom I find I hope it's wisdom um, you look back on the days and you say wow how did that all come about and you look back and in hindsight to me is 2020 always um, and it's I look back and it's always been God because none of the stuff that has been a blessing in my life or a gift was from my doing um, but the three things that came to my mind um, when I was asked to come up here and speak was the patience, grace, and abundant blessings of God. Um, he just continually, in spite of myself, if that makes any sense, um, because just a quick history, I really didn't surrender my heart to Christ until I was 34 years old. Um, up until then, it was, it was me. Um, the youngest of three, uh, my brother and my sister and I are about a year, you know, equivalent, I'm 49, my brother is 50, and my sister is 51. So pretty tight-knit family. Uh, my parents were very supportive of anything we did. Um, didn't have a whole, I didn't have a, uh, a college fund waiting for me when I got time for college. Pretty much there was nothing left. So I had to put myself through college, um, and I did it. So at that time in my life, it was, I did this, it was my decision. I was going to trailblaze. I was the one branching out. Um, 
nobody in my family leaves Massachusetts, really. Um, if you moved, we, when my family moved from Boston to Foxborough, Patriots, um, it was like we moved to Guam. So, um, so, you know, for me to say that I was going to trailblaze and do those kind of things was really, they thought maybe I'd move to Rhode Island, maybe New York, if that. Um, and obviously North Carolina was never in the, in the, in the card. So, you know, by age 22, I was like, I'm done with college. I'd put myself to college. I'm like, I'm going to buy a Jeep, get a dog and, you know, travel across country. And, um, you know, you look back and, uh, uh, God had a different plan. Three days before I graduated, I met my future husband. I wanted nothing to do with anybody. And God's like, no, I got another plan. Seven months later, later I was married and uh, moved to New York. Uh, seven months after that, I had my oldest. So I was almost 24 and I had an instant family to stay in living in New York City. It's a little different than I thought. Um, from there, we had done a couple of moves. Um, we found North Carolina, or North Carolina found us. And at 29, I had my youngest because I was still in control. If I was gonna start having children in my 20s, I was gonna finish in my 20s. That was kind of, I've always been a planner. I've always been very organized with it. So, again, patience and grace. God abundantly blessed me in the time that I thought it was all me. And, and to be honest, I didn't even give my husband a whole lot of credit. Um, it was, and I look back and I see how God really was patient with me, because I'm sure there was times that he kept shaking his head and said, just give it to me. Stop trying to control it. And then, like I said, we had a couple of uh, changes in churches and, and seeking because I knew it was important for my children to have Christ in their life. Um, but I didn't really understand how, how vital it was that I, I had Christ in my life. So, um, again, at age 34, uh, I was literally overcome with the Holy Spirit in the middle of a song and just surrendered. And I really just surrendered that time. So, over this time, I'm a little bit older than 34 now. Um, God, I've really tried to just follow what God asks of me. And that's really hard because that's, again, me continuing to surrender. So really funny, his, uh, his, uh, sense of humor. Um, last Sunday we got here and this is, that was the first Sunday we had been back with our community, which I just can't even tell you how much it just brought joy back. And I'm sitting there and I'm singing and I'm like, God, I want to be more outwardly praising of you. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to raise my hands? Do you want me to grab hold of my husband's hands and raise them up? What do you want me to do? You want me to start dancing? I, none of that, seriously. But I said, I'm going to let you just give me, a, you know, put me in that opportunity to praise you and to glorify all that you've done and you continue to do in my life. So I said, I'm just going to put it in your hands. You let me know. Well, Sunday night, about, let's see, 5.26, get a text from somebody. Hey, looking for a lady to give a testimony next week? I thought of you. Three to five minutes before the message, just a chance to brag on the Lord. Thoughts? We all know who that is. <laughs> my, my response, first thought, did you mean to text me? Next thought, you mean in front of people live? And third, um, 
How can I say no? But I only get three to five minutes? Of course, in true Matt Rice fashion, another New Englander, he gets me. Answers in bullet points. Number one, yes. Number two, same as number one. Number three, I'm not going to cut you off. I just want you to buy our family opportunities to brag on Jesus. So are you in? <laughs> of course. So this week, we got a lot going on in the shades. And I know that many of that know us know that we don't really settle or let dust get under our feet too long. So let's see how, uh, who asked me that question last week? Somebody in the crowd said, uh, you're moving again? But I really do believe we've been searching for the forever home, at least for me. I don't know about my husband, but for me, it's our forever home. And it's 0.9 miles from this spot. And I truly believe that God has blessed this. Um, he's definitely challenged me this week. And he threw this into the mix to show me that I need to continue to, to obey him and give him grace. And give him the opportunity for me to show others grace. Because I... Being a New Englander, uh, being who I am, uh, I can be a little bit stubborn. Uh, so I just, um, I've been looking for the opportunities all week to find the words that really exemplify what God has been doing in my life. Um, and I'm going to get all the credit to Chris Ann. I don't know if she's here this morning, but um, she put a post up the other day. And it really actually was spot on. So I always look for those opportunities. Part of the post, and I, I'm just, I'm actually quoting it. I don't know what references. So find Chrisanne or, or text her and ask her where she got it from. Um, God is using all the difficulties of life in this fallen world to change and mature us, making us ready for the world that is to come. And I truly believe that. God blessed me even before I deserved anything and I still don't deserve it but he gave me a wonderful husband he gave me beautiful children that love the Lord and I gosh I, I didn't want to get upset <laughs> but me who I am this is who I am um and he continues to work on me and I'm just so thankful that he has been patient and continues to do that another part of the post was who are we we are pilgrims on a journey with a glorious destination assured. What have we been given? The guarantee of, of the future grave of eternity assures us that we will have all the grace we need and present, or we would never have what we need to finish the journey. So don't try to turn today into paradise, but thank God that you are being prepared by grace for the paradise that will be your forever home. Thanks for letting me share. love this that we get an opportunity to you know just just hear from the family uh, part of the app opportunity that we have about being on this land is we get to just celebrate that we we truly are a family I was got in God's sovereignty listening this week to David Jeremiah who did a study on the word family and the word church and he said you would you would not believe how closely connected those two words are in true definition and so 
and just celebrate that we can gather together as a church, but we can more importantly gather together as a family of faith and be able to hear stories about God's just relentless love for us. And um, he just loves us, desires to have a relationship with us. And of course, we've been hearing that so so boldly through the book of First Peter. And I want you to go ahead and turn to First Peter. We're going to be there again, 17 to 21 this morning. Uh, before you get there or as you're turning there, I want to tell you that there are certain things in your life and certain things in my life that you are scared of. And I, for the most of my life, have been scared of big dogs. Big dogs. Now, I am the owner of two dogs, Lucy and Chewy. And we'll just save how much I love them for later. But um, uh, I, <laughs> I was the one who did not give in. To, I was the one that was being the, the holdout for getting the dogs. Anyway, several years ago, I was in college. That was just a couple of years ago. Um, I was in college at Gardner Webb University, and I was in my senior year, and I was doing an internship for the Shelby Police Department. I was a sociology and business major. I was an intern for the police department. And what they decided to do is to have me work and be experienced on the canine unit, meaning working with big, aggressive dogs. And so this particular um, uh, day, I went out to the training center and they asked me to put on a sleeve and when they said run i want you to run and we're going to see how long it takes the dog to get you on the sleeve and i politely to my supervisor declined i said i'm not going to do that i'm i'm, I'm a little afraid of dogs so i'm not going to do that so I'm, I'm, I'm i have great fear of big dogs and so we later went to this school and we went to this school and we were at the and a school that had been abandoned, it was, it was no longer in use, and they used it also as a training facility for the police department. And they said, okay, we want you to go to the second floor, and we want you to get in this uh, closet. We want you to stand in that closet, and you're going to stand there with Captain Smith, and he's got a stopwatch on, and we're going to see how long it takes Elvis, the 125-pound German shepherd, to find you. So I'm in a closet. And I'm standing there, and this, the captain looked at me and said, Hey, listen, I need you to know, don't go outside the door until we know that Elvis has been secured. So Elvis, uh, we were sitting down there, and we could hear them on the bullhorn, and said, If you do not come out by the time we count to three, we're going to let the dogs out. This was before the song, but I, you know, anyway. You got that. That was, come on, I worked hard on that one. So, so anyway, so we're sitting there and we're in the room and Captain Smith has got the stopwatch going and he's getting ready to push, push go. And so he said, if you don't come out, like we're going to let the dogs out. And he pushes the stopwatch right now. And then all of a sudden you can hear because it's a hardwood floor. You hear just, I don't know if you can hear that, but you just hear the nails on the ground and, and Elvis is just like, oh my gosh, Elvis is coming into the building. <laughs> Did you get the, anyway, he didn't left him up. And so Elvis is coming into the building. And so um, uh, it, it's, it's one minute and 40 seconds Elvis found us. When Elvis got to us, he hit the door so hard and he bit the doorknob off. <laughs> the doorknob just fell down and I looked through the little hole and I could see Elvis and he was slobbering <laughs> because he wanted to feast on me, the bad guy. 
I want you to know something. You are afraid of a lot of things, and so am I. Maybe you're afraid of heights, and maybe you're afraid of, 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 of the dark, and maybe you're afraid of different stuff. But we all have certain things that we, we are fearful of and afraid of. And, and I, and I want to I set the stage for us this morning because it's very unique that what we've been talking about for so long is the great grace of God and how God is loving and graceful and good And he's just all of those things. And then we come to another command in the text. And he tells us, I want you to be fearful. And to be honest with you, it's been really a struggle this week. And even last week, as I was looking at this text, seeing this command where he tells us to be fear, to have fear. And so I want you to be patient with me. We'll work through this together and we'll get to that command. And so it seems to suggest that having fear and understanding the grace that we have offered to us seems to be that they're enemies of each other. But the goal of our life is transformation. Listen, the goal is to be transformed by the great and lavish love of God. And he desires to do that in all aspects of our life. And so we're going to get to the command that he gives to us this week And we'll get to that in a minute. But what I want to do is I want to read you the entire text so that we can read that together and sort of have a context of what's going on. So last week, what we learned is we learned that he gave us a command, set your hope fully on the grace of God that will be revealed to you in Jesus Christ. He gave us another command to be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Then we pick up in verse 17 and we go to verse 21. Let's read that together. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in, say it, God. So here's our big idea, and this is on your worship center app, the the outline here. Here's the big idea. Fear not living for God. Say it again. Fear not living for God. Here's what he says. In Christ, what we know about Christ, what we've seen about Christ is in Christ there's freedom, there is eternal life, there's peace, there's hope, there's love, and praise God, there's forgiveness. You and I can be forgiveness, forgiven of our sins because of what Christ did. Those are great things. And so that's all that Christ did. And then he comes and he gives us a command, which is really in the second part of verse 17. And here's the command right here. It says, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time of exile. So the key to understanding this text is what he's talking about is, I want you to make sure that your behavior, the way that you live while you are not at home, let me make sure you understand something, This is not home. I'll say it again. This is not home. 
We are passing through. Wait, Lear, thank you. I was waiting for that. This is not home. We are passing through. But we are here for a purpose. And he says, while you are exiled, while you are not at home, while, are you, while you are living as foreigners, is what Hebrews says, I want you to conduct yourselves with fear. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Because we've been just talking a lot about grace. Let's sort of unpack what that means. I think it's possible for us to confess our love for Jesus, but for our lives to at times confess something radically different. What he's trying to get us to understand here is I want you to be aware that the way you live, your behavior, your actions, I want you to fear living like you don't believe that God exists. I want you to fear that. Your behavior, your conduct. So here's what he says in verse 17. Let's go back to 17 again. 17, he's saying this. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So Peter is addressing the family. He's saying you call on him as father. That means that this, you have a relationship with God that's made possible through Jesus. You are saved. You are secure. You are the elect. You have been chosen. You are God's, an instrument of God's grace, a trophy of God's grace. This is not an issue of whether we go to heaven or hell when he's talking about judging. What we're hearing and what we're seeing is that God will judge us based on our works that we do in the exile or while we are not home. We will be judged by our works, which will interpret our rewards when we get to heaven. That is an individual thing, not a corporate thing. I won't know what you get or don't get. You won't know what I get or don't get. It is an individual reward. That we will stand before God, we will give testimony of what we do here. And so what he's trying to get us to understand is, I want you to fear living as though your faith was not in God. And that's what your actions demonstrate. I want you to fear that. I want you to fear that, hey, what my life is communicating, what my actions are communicating, is different than what my mouth is professing. In essence, I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I want you to evaluate your conduct, your life, your works. I want you to fear as though your faith was not in God. Sometimes we can be incredibly tempted to, 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 to demonstrate that simply our hope is not set fully on the grace of God. It's actually set on our job, on money, on our possessions, on all of those things. That what we say is, my hope is in God, but when it really comes down to it, our conduct demonstrates that it's really not in God, but that, that it is in something else. My response to that is, are you truly a believer? Have you truly encountered the living God? And if you have encountered the Lord, then, then, then let's take a look at what we're doing and make sure it matches with what we're saying. He says, fear your living and, and your conduct. So, so let's go on and, 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 and look at verse 18. 
Verse 18 says this, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. This is a couple of things that jumped out to me. He's going back to them and he's reminding them. He said, okay, now you have your conduct. You know that you have God who is going to judge your works, your, your, the things that you're doing while you're in the exile. And then he comes back and he says, hey, listen, I want you to remember the preciousness of your salvation, the blood that paid for your sins. I don't want you to forget that. I, I want you to value that. I want your, your words to value that. I want you to talk about that. And I want your life to, to demonstrate that you truly value the precious blood of Jesus. In essence, I don't want you to treat it like trash. That's not what I want you to do. That's not why I did all that I did. I don't want you to treat this ransom, this precious blood of Jesus like trash. A couple of things come, come out to me or, or, or jumped out to me this week. And it, it says, knowing that you, say it, two words, were ransomed. Okay, what he's telling them right now, hey, listen, listen, this is past tense. This is something that happened to you back before. It, it is you are qualified. You are delivered. You are transferred. Now, listen, I want you to act like that. I want you to live that way. I want your conduct to demonstrate. And if you don't do that, I want you to fear that you're not doing that because you're treating the preciousness of God like trash. And I don't want you to do that. It's, it's precious. The ransom, it, it, it's precious. And it's there for, for our transformation. So fear conducting yourself as though the ransom were not precious. Here's a question for you. What is more precious to you, Northwest? What is more precious to you than the blood of Jesus? Does your words and your actions, do they, do they match? What I want us to do is, I think what Peter is trying to get us to do is he's saying, I want you to fear as if you're living like this is not making a difference or this doesn't make a difference in your life. Keep that at the forefront of your mind. Let me give you an illustration. This is simply just an illustration. Let's just say, for instance, my daughter Molly was kidnapped. This is just an example, okay? All right, Molly's looking at me with big eyes right now, but not nearly as big eyes as her mother right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay and so all of a sudden there's a ransom that is paid for molly that's needed to be paid for Molly. it's a million dollars and i have to give all the money in the world that i can find i've got to sell my house and sell the cars and i got to get all this stuff together and i got to take it to bond park and leave it next to the trash can so that they can pay the ransom to get my daughter back just work with me here okay stay with me and all of a sudden all of a sudden I get all that together and I take it to the trash can at Bond Park and I leave the money next to the Bond Park. And then all of a sudden, Molly takes the money and she runs and she says, ha ha, I got you. And she leaves with it. <laughs> now you're sitting there going like, that is absolutely ridiculous. My daughter would not treat the ransom that was paid by her father. She wouldn't do something like that. Well, then what Peter is saying is, I don't want you to do that either. I don't want you to treat this ransom as something that is not precious because it is. It's beautiful. I have to tell you something right now. My daughter would never do that. <laughs> I, 
But what I'm trying, what we're trying to see is we're trying to see and savor, savor the beautiful message of the gospel. We're trying to recognize that what he paid for is beautiful. And what Peter is trying to get us to see is I want to make sure that you have a healthy, reverent fear of not living that way in your conduct. That you don't treat God as your father and as the Savior, that you don't treat the preciousness of the ransom that was paid, that you don't treat it as precious, because it is. He, he goes on to um, he goes on to the next verse right here, verse 20. Let's look at verse 20. Verse 20 says this. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Verse 21, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are simply in God. Listen, I want you to fear that I want you to fear that you will miss out or that you will water down or that you will forget the great plan of God. I want you to live and have your conduct, have your behavior be a demonstration that you value the great plan of God. This plan is beautiful. It was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Was made manifest in the last time. Why? Look at it. There's four words. One, two, yeah, four words. For the sake of you. He didn't need to do this. He didn't need to do that. He did that because we had a problem. He didn't have the problem. And what he wants to do is he's saying, I want your conduct to be a demonstration that you truly value. You truly value the great plan of God. And I want you to live with a holy reverence that you won't live that way. So that you will live that way. I hope that makes sense to you. I want you to live in such a way that you value, you cherish, and that you have fear. That you would, you would have a healthy fear that you might forget the great plan of God. So he comes down and he talks about um, living our life for God, our behavior for the Lord. So our big idea, once again, is this. Fear not living for God. That, that's, that's our big idea for today. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, then how do we do that? How are we able to do that, to have a healthy, reverential fear of the Lord in the way that we conduct our lives is what he's telling us to do in this third command that we have over the last two weeks. How, how are we to do that? I've got one word for you. It's called accountability. Say it again. It's accountability. I don't know of a more important time in your life and my life that we need to be accountable for the things that we do by the people of God. So I would ask you this question. This is in your, your outline there. What, what is keeping, who is keeping you accountable in your walk with Jesus? Who is keeping you accountable in your walk with Jesus. I think ultimately that's what, what we have to ask when we look at this text. I mean, the text is very clear. Peter says, fear not living for God. I want you to have a fear that you don't treat him as your father. I want you to have a fear that you're not cherishing the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for us. I want you to fear that you're living in such a way that you've just forgotten about the plan of God. And if you've forgotten about the plan of God, then you're not going to be able to participate in God's plan as his instruments. And I want you to live with a healthy fear 
of not living in such a way. So, so how, how do we do that? I think it's very, very important. You have to ask the question to yourself, who is keeping me accountable so that I can live and so that I can value these things, that I can live in reverential fear if I was to drift away from being reminded and walking in this? I don't know if there's ever such a need for someone in your life and my life that would help us and walk alongside us and say, hey, listen, I don't think you should post that. I don't think it's wise for you to say that or post that. I don't think you should tweet that. <laughs> we need accountability so that what we will do is we will not miss an opportunity to talk about the precious blood of Jesus because of something we might have posted and missed an opportunity to hold up and revere and proclaim the greatest message in all of the world, the preciousness of the, of the lamb that was slain without spot or blemish. And we'd hold dear to that. So the question I have for you is, who is keeping you accountable in your walk with Jesus? You know, every Friday morning, I have the beautiful opportunity to sit down with three other guys and go through a Bible study together and to even ask hard and tough questions. That's a great place to see those things happen, to be accountable. The question I would have for you is I believe another, another opportunity for us as a church family to be accountable to one another is we always say this, as we get bigger, we must continually get smaller. And the way that we do that in Northwest is we, we have opportunities to jump involved in being part of a life group. And so my question for you is what's holding you back from joining a life group where I believe accountability for the way that we walk and the way that we conduct our lives can be birthed into our lives if that's something that you don't have. I think, that's, I think that's really important for us to take a look and ask the question. Our life groups are getting started right now. Brian Cross is going to close down our service today. He and Andrew George are leading a new life group. There's going to be a couple of folks that are up here. I'm going to be up here at the end of the service. We're going to sit there and we're going to talk to you about life groups if you want. We, we would love to have the opportunity to talk to you who are not in a life group about being in a life group why? So that you can value the precious blood of Jesus, that you can, your life can demonstrate that you truly believe in God, that you value that. And not only do your words say it, but your conduct says it as well. Our behaviors say it. And not only that, we'll not forget the great plan of God, that we'll lose, lose, lose sight of that. And so what Peter is saying is, I want you to fear as if you were living in that way where you do not value, you do not cherish, and you do not remember the plan. And like I said, who's keeping you accountable? And what is one reason why, what is holding you back from joining a life group where you can be challenged, held accountable for the way that we live? Because what we want to do and while we are here as exiles, is we want to desperately make much of Jesus and bring fame to his name, not ours. And we need accountability to help us each to do that and do that with grace. Matt, why don't you come on and make your way up here. We're going to sing a couple of songs as we close down our time together. 
Brian Cross is going to come and finish. And at the end of the service, we're going to have an opportunity for you to come up and talk about life groups. Life groups is a great way to learn about what it means to be a disciple, to love, trust, and obey Jesus. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And what does it mean to help others follow Jesus? So again, life groups are a big part of our church. And so at the end of the service, we're going to want to talk to you about that as well. One more announcement to this coming week, this coming week, the whole week, actually every day, we've got a work day here at the church. And it's an incredible opportunity for a lot of us to come out and be able to get some things done for more parking. There's a lot of things that we need to do this week. And so each day this week, um, you can serve, you can sign up online. Also, you can do that uh, on Saturday. We have a massive work day. Hopefully you're going to be able to be here. We can get more parking more gravel put in, and a lot of projects that are going on. And so hopefully you'll take advantage of those things. What I want you to do is I'm going to pray for us. I'd like you to stand. We're going to sing, and uh, then Brian will close us out in just a minute. Lord God, I want to thank you for our, our time today. I want to thank you for the privilege that we have to sing to you, to worship you, to talk about you, to live for you. I pray, God, that as we continue to sing, and Matt leads us, that you will continue to, 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 to teach us more about yourself. Lord, we desire not to be a hypocrite. We know that you are a good father. We pray, God, that we would have a healthy fear of living in a way that does not demonstrate that you are a good father. We pray that we would have a healthy fear of, not, of living in a way that would say or declare through our actions that your blood is not precious. We pray that we would live in such a way that we would not forget your plan. It's a great plan and it's a good plan. And we thank you for that plan that you came for our sake to save us, to redeem us. Let us as Northwest Community Church, let us be accountable to one another in how we live, how we talk, and how we conduct our lives. And I pray that we would do that with a great reverential fear of you. In Jesus' name, amen.